0: A podcast one production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. This is a podcast on international politics or international relations, anything that is going on in the world, something of interest. Dr. Keith identifies it, zeros in on it, knows pretty much everything about it, essentially, <laughs> normally speaking and then breaks it down for our audiences, you guys. And we've been doing this for a little while now together. My name's Kate Mack. Uh, there is no one better versed at international politics or better at just breaking it down and making it really super easy to understand, like this man, Dr Keith Suda, who's got PhDs in international affairs. He's uh, been a commentator in Australian media for many, many decades as well. Very well known. Uh, and now, Dr Keith, today's episode, the new USA Elite because of your accent, but it's, well, elite.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The new elite, that's right. So this is an article that I've come across by Thomas Klikawa and Nadine Campbell, and they argue that there is a new elite on the rise. Unlike the old traditional elite, America's new elite lives no longer from inheritance and breeding but on achievement. The old elite was based on land, property and factories. The new elite is very different. This has gone through a rigorous training regime all the way up to elite universities to arrive at highly elite selective jobs. So they look at how the new elite you'll find in management, such as the CEOs um, that you'll find running the big corporations, in finance, head fund managers, et cetera, and then thirdly within the elite law firms. So they're talking about a, a new type of person, Interestingly, they're using a phrase in all seriousness, which was meant as a joke, and the, the word is meritocracy. So they're, they're uh, t- coming from a book by David Markowitz called The Meritocracy Trap. Now, I've got to explain a little about this. Uh, Lord Young is no longer around to explain his point of view. So 60 years ago, Lord Young, Michael Young, wrote a satirical novel in which he invented a new term called meritocracy. So ocracy always refers to a method of government. So, um, uh, you could be a democracy or aristocracy, etc. Ocracy means a method of government. And so, he invented a word called meritocracy. In other words, this is a society that he thought was emerging in Great Britain, and he meant it as a, as a, a cynical joke, as a sarcastic novel, and as a bit of a warning, that there will be the rise of the meritocrats, in other words, not people who are relying on their traditional landed gentry, not people who are getting money out of the factories, but people who come up through school working hard and end up at the top and are able to say, I have done all this on my own, I don't have any obligations to anyone else, this is the result of my hard work, if people are poor That's their own damn fault because they're not working hard enough. So he wrote the novel 60 years, just over 60 years ago, as a joke. Yeah. And to his dying day, he lived to be, I think, well into his 80s, I think. To his dying day, he kept saying, I meant it as a cynical remark. I didn't mean it as a serious phrase for political scientists and economists. But, in fact, what has happened is that you now get people who use the phrase, Tony Blair, for example, later, you know, the British Prime Minister, Labour Prime Minister, was talking, in effect, about meritocracy. Ironically, Lord Young, in his early days, had helped get Labour elected after World War II and was around long enough to see a phrase that he had used as a bit of a joke become mainstream political thinking in Great Britain. So what was meant as a satirical comment became
0: a standard phrase. So when he says he's being satirical about it or tongue-in-cheek about it, so he's saying... That people like he was acknowledging that people really were born into money back then, like you couldn't become a different class. It was very few people that, that did do that. And
1: broad, what he was seeing after World War II was the increased money that went into education, so there were more educational opportunities being made available. And secondly, of course, he could also see the change that was taking place in terms of the British economy, in other words, the Farming used to be a major source of revenue up until, say, the British Industrial Revolution, or perhaps a little later, that's 1750. And then, if you're going to make money, it'll be in factories. So, you made automobiles or railway engines, etc. Now, Young noticed after World War II the growth of the service sector. So, they're your lawyers, your doctors, etc. You and I work in the service sector. You can tell that. Just look at your hands. Your hands are not the hands of somebody who digs up the ground to plant seeds. They're not the hands of somebody who works on a factory lathe. They're very soft. So we now have lots of soft-handed people because we operate off our brains. We don't need to be out in the fields or in a factory. We just sit at a desk and, and think grand thoughts. And the elite of us go on to do even better working for the big law firms or the money managers, etc. So he could see there was going to be this shift and so he was uh, in effect talking about this new society based on what we would now call the service sector where people would do well out of school education and then would go on and and would do well within society because of that the advantages that they had in education and they would then see themselves as a new elite based on their own efforts, not because it inherited wealth from having a, a wealthy landowner f- forebear, and not because they've, they're forebears that own factories, it's because of their own effort in school and university.
0: So then what's been the shift, Keith? So let's talk about what the elite used to be back in the day and what drove it.
1: So the, uh, the, well, the main, well, one of the uh, drivers has been, therefore, the economic change that's taken place. So we still grow food, but the total number of people involved in farming is now much smaller in fact, we grow more food than ever, but with a smaller number of people because of mechanisation. We still have people who make things in factories, but again, a declining number of people involved in manufacturing. In Australia, for example, we have more people working in hairdressing than in the steel industry.
0: So, is that one of our great exports?
1: Steel, well, yeah, steel certainly has been, but hairdressing is part of this new service economy.
0: Where we're just outsourcing everything as we well. We outsource
1: everything to the service economy, and it means that in this article uh, by um, these two American writers, I'll give you the name again, Thomas Klikauer and Nadine Campbell, they argue that, in fact, that there are new stresses on the new elite. So they say here, in sharp contrast to the American 18th and 19th century factory mills run by the old elite, the new elite work in what might be called elite white-collar salt mines, creating unbearable levels of workplace stress, anxiety, cocaine use, alcoholism, and rafts of other work-related stresses. In other words, you might well end up with a boss who sends you text messages every few minutes pestering you for certain information or saying, "You know, did you receive my last message? When are you going to get back to me? So that adds to this sort of workplace stress. So you're not breaking your bag, carrying, you know, corn or whatever, and you're not damaging yourself working on a factory lathe, but instead it's damaging your head.
0: It's psychological. It's completely different. It's a different realm completely now. It is, yeah. So what is it saying then, Keith, this article and your general thoughts on what this means for the world and, and the future? of wealth really. Well, what it
1: means is is that you've got this a uh, new wealth being concentrated in the hands of a comparatively small number of people. So you have the white-collar slaves if you like, who are at their desk or now working on their kitchen at home, uh, clocking in the long hours, but you've also then got an elite that are also hard workers. This is the the difference, you know, you you think back to the the novels, you know, like The Great Gatsby, for example, written during the 1920s, and um, that talks about this very rich family on Long Island that had already made their money and they were doing extremely well. And that's the old style of wealth. The new style of wealth is where you put in incredibly long hours, and that's why you you then feel I'm just that this justifies my high salary. I am working very hard, and if people are poor, it's their own damn fault. They should work as hard as I do. And, of course, they therefore like to get their own staff working long hours as well, but not necessarily for being as well paid. So what we're looking at then is a society in which, let me just say, that a a phrase that I keep using in all of my talks is the dominant worldview is the poor have too much money and the rich have too little. So we beat up on the welfare recipients and we introduced tax cuts for the rich. And if you look at what's gone on in the United States now, according to this article, the top tax rate has fallen by more than half. So it has cut tax rates for the rich that uh, was uh, throughout the 1950s, if you were rich, you had a 90% tax rate. It's now down to uh, about half of that. And, of course, someone like Donald Trump actually paid less tax than the people who voted for him.
0: This is Global Truths with Dr Keith Suda. We're talking about the new elite class of people, people that make a huge amount of money, and it's not because they're born into it because there's been a shift. People are now working harder and, you know, making money, which is really the way we've grown up, the majority of us, Keith. So this is not a big shift for our mentality, really, because this is... But it is for philosophical people that you're talking about there that you're referencing from this particular article. That's a shift from the thinking 60 years ago. Well, that was the beginning of the thinking 60 years ago, right?
1: With, with Michael Young. And and what we're seeing is the growth of the 0.1% wealth in the United States. So if when you look at the figures, and, and the authors provide the, the, the figures showing that from the 1933 onwards, or perhaps even a little earlier, tax started to be increased on the very wealthy. And that ran. this is the Roosevelt New Deal ran throughout World War II and then continued through until, say, the 1970s. But since then, we've introduced so many tax cuts in the United States, in Great Britain, and even here in Australia, as we speak, we're introducing more tax cuts for the rich. So it means, therefore, that the wealthy can accumulate more tax. I might just say we ought to have a separate program on who pays tax because it is quite interesting that you know, paying tax is a middle-class activity. So I assume that you pay tax, Kate. Yes. Because you are a salaried in another context. You receive a salary, which means that it's pay as you go or pay as you earn. In other words, that as you receive payment from your employer, then that money is automatically given to you and also to the government, whereas the rich aren't paid that way. They they live off fees and dividends, etc. And the very poor, of course, don't pay tax either because, <laughs> because they don't have any money to pay. So really, you know, people like you are the backbone of Australian society, Kate, because you're continuing to pay the tax. The problem is you're a shrinking part of the tax base. So what this article is looking at is what's going on in the United States where families now get the inside running. For example, in New York, you can employ people for $1,500 for 90-minute tutoring. So if you want your kids to do well, to go to the best private schools, they get private tuition on top of what they're getting at school, which will then help them to get into the best universities. And one of the ironies is that education actually is now leading to stratification with an American society. It's not creating equality. It simply means the new elite out-educates the middle class by more and more year after year and in which case then the, the people who um, do best at school go to best universities, the elite universities, and then they go on to get the top positions in business. They make the right contacts at university, et And then, So then we're not talking about the outliers, the Jeff Bezos of this world or Bill Gates. Bill Gates, of course, is a Harvard person. But we're talking really about the people who will still be making a lot of money but working for others. So they might end up working for people who wear hoodies, but they are people who are nonetheless in well-paid management positions. And so we see, therefore, this new elite which is emerging. The warning that Michael Young gave was simply to say, if you have meritocrats, people who will take the view, I am where I am because of my efforts, not because of society, not because I received assistance. None of this nonsense about it takes a village to raise a child, which is what Mrs. Clinton talks about. None of that. <laughs> I did it. And therefore, I don't have any obligations to anybody else. I'm just here to look out, uh, look out for number one. And that was what he was warning about 60 years ago. And now we read this very serious article where the term meritocracy, which Michael Young, and they don't actually refer to Michael Young. You know, So, so Michael Young is well, he's dead and therefore has disappeared. And the satirical notion of meritocracy has disappeared and instead we see the term meritocracy applying as a mainstream political and economic comment. And the meritocracy now that runs the United States are the people who are best prepared to run the United States and make a lot of money. So you've now got some schools that are pipelines for prisons and you've got a different type of school that's a pipeline for elite positions through university, into the top reaches of management or banking or finance, whatever.
0: So it just starts at school age this time as opposed to when you're born. It depends on where you grow up and where you, you know, went to school, Keith. That's right, yeah. So how does that play out in somewhere like Australia then?
1: Well, we see it also in Australia. If you look back at, we tend to be a little, we try to try to see ourselves as more egalitarian society. We have a tax system which nonetheless is under attack from the new right economic rationalists who are saying the rich should be uh, have their taxes reduced, which is music to the ears of the rich. Um, and so we are getting a society where you've got poorer people who are in... We actually have poverty by postcode in Australia. So once you know where a person lives, you already know a lot about them. And so it's poverty by postcode, and we have a new elite who live in certain areas of, of Sydney or Melbourne. So we're seeing the same sort of thing emerge so people who go to private school then go on to the better universities, make the right contacts and then will go on to do very well in business. And the problem is that elites, as Michael Young tried to warn us 60 years ago, who are just running society without caring about anybody else, are actually planting the seeds for uh, turmoil because eventually the people at the bottom will turn to rebellions or riots or whatever unless you can keep them fed with opioids and, and keep them on drugs, keep them watching TV and social media, and that way it'll keep them out of political mischief. Otherwise, the risk you run is that you might end up with mass rebellions, as we've seen before in uh, in our history. Um, in the United States, uh, particularly in the 1930s with the, the crisis over the Great Depression, and... Um, in, in France, of course, and lead up to 1789, we actually had the peasants who were rebellion. And so this is the risk that we run. And Michael Young tried to warn us about this 60 years ago by writing this satirical novel, and instead we've ignored the lesson but we've captured the phrase. And we use the phrase with a perfectly straight face, thinking it's a good society, that everybody should get ahead just on the basis of promotions on merit.
0: Dr. Keith, enlightening as always. Thank you. This has been Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. It's recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Producer is me, Kate Mack. Production assistance by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. And for more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app.